All right, 13 to the hour, live from Studio 6B. So obviously with all of the um, all of the inflation news we got this morning, inflation being 5.4%, which of course, you know, it's not 5.4%. The numbers they take to get to that number is not uh, just faulty information. And we all know this. Of course, they told you inflation was going to be transitory. Um, and of course, it's not transitory. How can it be transitory when it's going to be around probably for, about a, for the next 6 to 12 months? And we've already seen it for probably the last two, two months, CPI data out this morning. Um, so, so we know what the deal is with uh, inflation. But it doesn't matter to the Democrats because they want to spend like drunken sailors always. So they keep spending, spending, and they're pushing this bill. Pelosi says, well, we'll get it down from $3.5 trillion maybe to $2 trillion. Whatever she can do to get Joe Manchin to seem like, oh, okay, they've really, they've really um, come back, come back to earth, which, of course, they haven't come back to earth. And I, I, t- I forget who the author was of that article, but all the tricks the Democrats would use to, um, to try to get this to seem like, you know, they're coming way down in price. It's not, it's, you know, well, Joe Biden says zero cost and it's going to cost us zero, but we know the fudging of the numbers here. But when you print money, like we've printed it, you can just expect, um, you know, the M2 money supply kind of looks like up and to the right all the time. And when you print money like we print it, it wasn't hard. It wasn't like we were going out on a limb, or I was going out on a limb saying that inflation was going to um, was not going to be transitory. By the way, I'm not even smart enough to know what the hell that means. It's going to be transitory. I just knew it wasn't going to be something that was going to be a a passing fad in the wind. That it was going to be. We were really going to see the effects of it. And of course, the report out this morning that it's a 13-year high, 5.4%. It's not transitory. So I wanted to get to this yesterday, and we never got to it. Chip Roy took to the House floor to talk about spending. And I did mention yesterday in the show that, um, you know, we talk about our kids when when it comes to these vaccines. Oh, the kids, the kids, the kids. We got to look out for the kids. We got to get these five to 11 year olds. We got to start jabbing them in the arms because, you know, we care about our kids so much. Yet when it comes to spending and spending them into oblivion with debts and deficits as far as the eye can see, there's no ever talk about the kids. Ever. And of course, they're pushing this bill now. Pelosi says we'll get it down to two trillion so Manchin can, uh, you know, come aboard come along we can only hope that mansion and cinema hold strong because again it's not two trillion as i told you the article that said they'd use every dirty trick in the book to get down and play um bookkeeping games i will take this out but it really doesn't take effect till eight years down the road so it'll look like we're lessening but we're really not we know the deal so here's chip roy though addressing this bill addressing this spending on the house floor yesterday roll that g Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I would uh, just want to thank the uh, distinguished majority leader for sharing with us that he had voted 49 times to raise the debt ceiling. Because when he came into this body, the debt was about a trillion dollars. Today, it's $28.5 trillion. So thank you, I, I guess. 
on behalf of the people of America who are staring at $28.5 trillion of debt? Here's the thing. My colleagues on the other side of the aisle are asking us to support a half a trillion dollar increase in the debt. Half a trillion dollars. Now, the American people can't even keep up with what those numbers even mean. But they do know that those dollars are being used to fund government tyranny over their lives. That's what those dollars are being used for. For a border that's not secure. For cartels that are ripping into Texas. For critical race theory being taught to our children. To not fund police. To have the FBI going after parents in school boards. Vax mandates, shutting down businesses, forcing people to comply or they lose their job. Energy poverty, preventing people from actually getting the energy to heat their homes, drive their cars and go to work. That is what my colleagues on the other side of the aisle want us to borrow half a trillion dollars to keep funding. So please forgive me if I vote no to rack up more debt for my kids and grandkids to fund the tyranny over the minds and the hearts of the American people that my colleagues on the other side of the aisle wish to continue to fund. And no, I haven't voted for a debt ceiling increase before. And I certainly haven't voted 49 times to raise the debt from $1 trillion to $28.5 trillion, as has the majority leader. I yield back. By the way, the majority leader of his party, when he was the majority leader, voted for it too, because he's been about, uh, he's been one of the bigger debt creators the Republican Party has ever seen. That'd be one Mitch McConnell. So, so inflation was, um, you know, again, shouldn't really be a surprise to many who have followed along. Now, I try to look at all these things from all sides, and what is interesting is I, um, I follow very closely and have great respect for Kathy Wood, founder and CEO of ARK Investment Group, because she's brilliant. And she makes an interesting point because she's moving her whole fund. And there's an article out. Kathy Wood says, Exodus from high-cost cities, meaning Democrat cities, will push down inflation as her own ARK Investment heads to Florida. Closely followed... Um, innovation investor Kathy Wood said the migration trend that's playing out in this country and in her own company is further evidence that investors should fear deflation instead of inflation. Wood, founder, CEO, and CIO of ARK Invest is moving her investment firm's headquarters to St. Petersburg, Florida on November 1st. The disruptive innovation investor said that individuals and companies flocking to more affordable areas of the country should keep inflation somewhat at bay. The cost of living is anywhere between 20% and 40% less in St. Petersburg, Florida, than it is in New York City. And that includes the rents, she said during an ARK Invest webinar on Tuesday. She said the exodus or great migration is from the very high rent areas of the world to much lower rent. So there's going to be a mix effect that many are not taking into account as they're thinking about inflation, she added. Wood had been vocal about her theory on deflation. While many market participants are concerned about rising prices, the ARK founder expects deflation amid a breakdown in commodity prices, gridlock 
on tax policy in Washington and innovation trends to start taking off. The hot-handed investor is also trying to put St. Petersburg, which is west of Tampa, on the map for the innovation community. We believe St. Petersburg, Florida wants to become the next Austin, Texas and attract tech companies, attract innovation, she said. We're seeing all levels of the government work together this very cohesively, which is refreshing. They're very excited that ARK Investment is now moving to Florida. Company also announced last week the groundbreaking of the ARK Innovation Center and blah, 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 so on. So, so it's just another different take on this that she thinks. Now, I, I can't see how that could have a, an immediate effect on this inflation problem that we're going to see for probably the next 6 to 12 months, according to the data we saw this morning. But her overall point, and what we're seeing is this mass exodus from Democrat-run cities, I think absolutely continues. You see what Walgreens is doing out of San Francisco today, closing five more stores. And why? Well, because people can just come in and take about $940 worth of um, whatever they want from the store, and the police stand there and watch it happen and can't do anything. And it doesn't matter, and they're sick of it. And I think they've had, they, I have read that they had about $8 million of um, products even tried to be recovered. And that was from the first 10 stores they closed. Now they're closing five more because San Francisco, Nancy Pelosi's home, is out of control. And they don't support the police. They don't even believe in the police, honestly. They don't believe in, well, anything having to do with petty crime as, as they define it that you can just walk into these stores and take whatever you want and see you later. So Walgreens says, well, okay, if that's going to be your process, well, we're out of here. We're out of here. So San Francisco's a mess. Pelosi's a mess. These Democrat-run cities are a mess. And you're going to continue to see businesses like Tesla say what you will about, what, about how they do business and taking money from the government. Paul, Paul's argument, I get. But they're out of there. The Daily Wire, they're out of there. They went to Nashville. And you're going to continue to see it happen because these places are a mess. All right, live from Studio 6B. Glad you're in. We'll talk about the special on Real America's Voice that most of you joined us from. Hour 2 coming up. Glad you're in. Lots to do. Crazy Town. Jen Psaki today. Emmy Horowitz, the great Emmy Horowitz. Good video coming up. We're back right after this. Studio 6B, hour two on a Wednesday night on Real America's Voice, flying solo tonight. And I gave the guys the night off because we thought, um, well, I thought the special that uh, the RAV special that was on, which was fantastic right before us, was going to go a little longer. The president actually called in. But I didn't realize he was going to be on just, just for a little bit to say hello, take a couple questions from John Fredericks, and uh, he sounded good, sounded energized. The crowd there was energized um, in Virginia. And somehow, shockingly, and of course, I know all these polls are skewed, but I saw somewhere that they say McAuliffe might be up two or three points on this race, which, I mean, is just, 
I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know how Glenn Youngkin doesn't make the, uh, can't make a closing argument to Virginia on um, kids and their schools and what's going on and what's this, this, this story broke by the Daily Wire yesterday about the kid and the poor girl in the bathroom and this um, assault she undertook, rape, I believe, is how that's framed. Um, cut 36, G, Glenn Youngkin. Let's uh, CNN report on this race. Let me, let me see that. I'm historically an independent voter. I have voted every which way you could vote. Amy Dodson is not defined by political labels. I was not a fan of President Trump. Um, I didn't vote for him, and I didn't vote for Biden, but I did vote. That makes her an important wild card in Virginia, where she cast her vote early this week for one reason By the above way, all. just hold this for a second. These are the people that Biden is absolutely underwater with. Absolutely underwater with uh, the, uh, is this person and these voters right here. Go ahead. What led me to vote for Glenn Youngkin this time around was education. Education is a central issue in the final stretch of the closely watched Virginia governor's race, where the power of the parents' movement is suddenly front and center. How nervous are Democrats? It's just three weeks before the election, Jeff, election night. Oh, thanks. Don. Don, significantly three weeks from tonight will be election night, and they are really uh, sending in everyone. We learned earlier today that former President Barack Obama will be coming to Richmond, Virginia um, in about a week and a half or so. First Lady Jill Biden coming. A lot of other surrogates. Democrats are very worried about this. Uh, they thought Virginia was a solidly blue state. They are learning that may not be the case at all. Of course, Terry McAuliffe has been around a long time. Glenn Youngkin, the outsider, the newcomer, is really catching on here. So the next three weeks are very critical, at least in the eyes of Democrats. Yeah, you know, what's, what's interesting is Virginia probably is a, a, a pretty, uh, at this point, probably pretty blue state. But you know what it is? It's just that Biden is hated. The American people have had enough. Uh, the people in Virginia have had enough. They look at what's going on in their schools. They look at what's going on. They look at a guy saying, no, oh, no, you parents who pay all these damn taxes, especially down there. They're similar to some of the taxes down there and some places in Maryland, some of these uh, more affluent. Lo- I mean, the, the taxes are outrageous. They tax you to death. The real estate taxes are outrageous. Oh, no, no, you shouldn't. Have, you don't get any say for that. Just uh, give us your kids. We'll turn them into little uh, communists. And don't worry, we'll send them back to you. Well, people have had enough of that, and they're not going to stand for it. So I bet Virginia probably is a pretty reliable, at least purple, you could say, leaning more blue in the, into that upper uh, northern part of Virginia. But that, that doesn't matter at this point. It's like that race in uh, Iowa, the, the State House District 29 race. That was a solid blue district. John Dunwell blew out Steve Mullen. 59% to 40%. And they flipped that seat. And as I tweeted last night, nobody can stop what's coming if this continues. And you can say, well, it's not going to... Well, we'll see. We'll see. And this Virginia governor's race will be an absolute bellwether to see if a small race like this is a bellwether. Also, to see what's coming. Because if these are the kind of things we start seeing, enough is enough. I actually, ha- I think I hashtagged that, that tweet with that. Enough is enough. That's what it comes down to. Biden's underwater with voters like her. Absolutely underwater. And you look at Terry McAuliffe, Barack Obama's, well, Joe Biden's not down there. Why? Ask yourself why Joe Biden's not. 
He's the current president. He should have the most uh, influence over this election if he was to get down there. But word is that I haven't heard that he's going. He's reaching out to his old buddies, Obama. And, and, and why is that? Because people are sick of this president already, eight months in. And he's going to take the party with him. So that, that's why. But Glenn Youngkins has to, make, has to make the closing argument and continue to serve up that piece of uh, the debate where McAuliffe said, no, I don't think parents should be involved in their kids' education. Oh, really? So we'll see. But it was good to see this Iowa race, and we'll, we'll, we will wait till no, I think it's November 2nd, to see what happens in this governor's race. But if, um, if Glenn Youngkin wins that race, it's going to be... Uh, a glorious massacre that's coming up. And you can project that all the way through 2022 because there's going to be nothing this guy's going to do to make anything anything better. We are going into uh, inflation. We are going into costs being higher. They're pushing these spending bills. It's only going to get worse. I mean, you can look at every disaster this guy's had, one after the other after the other after the other. It's not going to get any better. And as I've said, maybe naively, I think everybody has a line to say, you know what, this is, this is just getting to be out of hand. Everybody has a line. I don't care who you voted for. I don't care where you stand. Everybody has a line, whether it's something that it's, it's personal, their pocketbook, their, um, you know, they can't, you can't, they can't buy food. They can't find food. They can't buy the same amount of stuff they've been buying for the same amount of money. You, you have this inflation insidious tax. It hurts the lower um, you know, lower economic class of people where they, they can't get the same stuff that they can. They're paying more for essentials. They can't get as much. You know, people who, uh, people who have done well, assets always go up. People who are invested, stocks and assets and things, it always goes up. It widens the gap when you have inflation like this. That's why the Trump policies and what we saw under the Trump administration lifted everybody up. Money in people's pockets was going up. Taxes were going down. People were taking home more money. People were keeping more of what they earned. Isn't that what we should be pushing in this country? Don't we want to incentivize upward mobility? We don't want to demonize it. The Democrats only want to demonize upward mobility. They don't even want to talk about it. They don't want to talk about the individual. They want to talk about collectivism. We have this task force, this supply chain ta task force. There's a uh, piece out today. We're running out of food. Thanks to Biden. There's a supply, uh, supply chain task force, Damon, in the White House. What the hell are they doing? What are they doing since June? This article today, much discussed and rightly so, that Joe Biden made disaster. That is our frozen supply chain. We are a very large geographical country with 330 plus million people contained herein. We require lots of stuff to get by day to day. To service this landmass of humanity, we have developed a very intricate interworking web of boats, planes, trucks, trains, cars, and even bikes and bicycles to get things to people who need them when they want them. This is called the supply chain. It is a marvel of the free market. Well, right away, you've lost the Democrats. They don't, even, they don't even believe in the free market. 
private sector ingenuity. They certainly don't believe in that, and they've never been in that. They've never partaken in the private sector or ingenuity, by the way, most of them. None of them. They've never created anything. They've never worked in it. They've never uh, created a product. They've never run a business. They've never made payroll. They've never done, uh, you know, your S-Corp or C-Corp taxes. Oh, tax the rich. They're, ra- they're robbing us. They pay 8%, all these wealthy. Yeah, okay. But when we have a president that is opposed to the free market, private security ingenuity, things rapidly grind to a halt, about which we have warned since August of 2020. Every aspect of our uh, supply chain is now under attack. The supply chain requires lots and lots of oil and gasoline. Biden's government is assaulting every aspect of their extraction, processing, and delivery. The supply chain requires lots of people working to ensure everything is delivered. The supply chain gang, if you will, think of them. Biden's government is paying people quite generously, well, to do nothing. So why would they look to get paid to do something? And lots of people who are willing to work, but not willing to subject themselves to experimental, highly problematic and ineffectual vaccines for a virus with a 99 plus percent survival rate. Biden's government is forcing them out of work by the millions. The supply chain is being damaged way up the technology ladder. We are suffering a massive semiconductor chip shortage, which means government is going to allegedly spend trillions of dollars on infrastructure, but won't won't actually be able to upgrade or update a whole lot of the infrastructure, by the way or the machines to repair or build the infrastructure. Biden's government is hyper-regulating everyone and everything. He is eviscerating the value of our money. Let me say this one again. He is eviscerating the value of our money, causing everything to artificially cost more and more as people make less and less. And he is looking to dramatically increase taxes on the companies that make the supply chain work. The chain can only take so much government sand before the gears grind to a halt. And that's where we are. But fear not, Biden's on the case, he says, in his way. By on the case, we mean he's saying a problem he's caused that we've had months, uh, that we've had for months may start to be a problem in a few months. Hey, Clueless Joe, where have you been? Some of the things of which we're short in this government-induced pinch, we can wait on for a little bit it's awful for the people who design manufacture deliver and sell these things but the broader population can do without for a little bit longer of course a lot of things of which we are short are life staples and nothing is bigger life staple than well food the ongoing global supply chain disruption is becoming a bona fide food crisis already Strains on the supply chain are prompting many of the nation's biggest food manufacturers to give a heads up to giant grocery store chains that they are going to have trouble keeping up with the demand. I told you this. My wife went to Trader Joe's last weekend. It's already absolutely visible as you walk up and down the aisles. Basics are in all likelihood going to be hard to come by. Great. Outstanding news. We've warned for many years that government serial mass abuse of our farmers and ranchers has, highly, has created a highly tenuous food supply chain 
situation. Too many taxes, too many regulations, and too many terrible trade deals. We've been teetering on knife's edge for a very long time, and then along comes Joe Biden. I'll finish this when I get back. past the hour live from studio 6b glad you're in on a wednesday night riding solo tonight gave the guys a night off with the uh, rav special that was in the hour before us thought it might go a little longer so uh we'll wrap up hour two here just me and you glad you're in real america's voice that was a great special john fredericks had the president on the phone president sounded good energetic ready to go back in glenn yumpkin hopefully we can take virginia back i like what i see in this state senate race in iowa pretty solid blue county as i understand it so that was kind of a surprise. I think you're going to see a lot of it. I just don't see how you can't. I mean, the, 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 people have had enough. Because it, it's, it's affecting their lives in real, real, legitimate, touch-it-feel-it ways. Like at the gas station. I didn't run this. We had this piece yesterday, but I didn't run it. 26G, roll that. Florida now seeing an average of $3.17 at the pump, the highest since 2014. And depending on where you go, it could be even higher. We found at least two stations in Miami where regular gas is $4.59. Does it make you want to cry looking at that number? Yes, for sure. The national average for gas is $3.27. Here's what it's looking like in South Florida. Dade at 318, Broward at 321, Monroe 324, and Palm Beach County at 332. I'm really worried about gas prices going up. That's going to really hammer a lot of Floridians who have to commute to work every day. Certainly since the average gas price rose 12 cents last week, according to AAA. The supplies are not what they used to be. The ship, there's a whole host of things uh, that are really uh, having problems right now. Yeah. And you're seeing people on social media take pictures of their, when they fill up with, you know, $100, $85. You know, people who are used to spending 40 50 you jump to 80 90 Here in New York, what, what do we, I mean, what's it at the pump? It's about $3.80 around here now. $3.50, $3.80. California, I've seen, I mean, I don't know if they're real. Some of the pictures I've seen out of California are just, I mean, off the wall. Off the wall. Like $6, $7. Totally off the wall. So people are actually feeling it. Saki was asked about what's going to uh, about gas prices uh, today. What's being done about gas prices? Roll it. Reuters is reporting that the administration is in touch with oil and gas producers about how to bring down rising fuel costs. I was wondering if you could say which companies and if you've asked them to increase production and if so, how they responded. I'm actually not aware of any contact with oil and gas companies around this sure. particular issue. Sure. Why would issue. you be? There's other reporting that suggests that administration officials, including Secretary Granholm, Vilsack, and Blinken, met last night to discuss uh, rising fuel prices. I was wondering if you could confirm those names and also what are the options that they were uh, discussing. 
Well, we are very well aware um, for a range of issues, and we should talk about those, uh, that um, the American people are, of course, impacted by uh, rising prices of gas in some parts of the country, not all, uh, and also uh, looking one. ahead to the winter season and looking at um, uh, natural gas uh, supply out there. Maybe they don't look at it exactly through that prism, but I would say we do. And so, of course, the president has asked um, his economic team, as they do on any range of issues impacting the public, to continue to discuss what the options are uh, that we can take to address uh, these shortages. Now, we know uh, that some of the issue here is supply as a result of the pandemic, and there's a natural gas shortage around the world, hence no, the need for enough, the Jane. United Stop States it. to continue to act. You know, her nonsense just becomes, it becomes unbearable at some points. The Trump administration, you think about the energy, energy independence we had achieved and the places we were in. It may have something to do with the pandemic, but do you remember President Trump talking about, number one, when he um, had to avoid that crisis? We had, we had ships in the middle. We were filling up. We had so much uh, energy and gas and petroleum. We were filling up ships that were out at sea just to get it at lower prices. You remember he used to talk about that? How, how we were filling up and getting so much. I mean, I can remember gas under $2 not that long, not what, two years ago? Two years ago, they they this administration continues to attack our energy independence. I mean, you don't have to take my word for it. What did Joe Biden say in the last pencil one of the last Pennsylvania rallies he had? Right, we're going to put them out of business. They, they, they are they are all in on the Green New Deal. They are all in on the degrowth movement that that is. They try to frame it as some uh, save the planet nonsense. And that, that it has nothing to do with that. So this is no surprise. It is no surprise. There's plenty of supply. But this administration is attacking energy. It's attacking you. You're going to see it in your energy costs over the winter. Your heating costs are going to be through the roof. If you have oil heat at your house, it's going to be through the roof. But don't worry. We're going to have all the cars uh, by 2035. We're going to have... Uh, I mean, she's unbearable to listen to. Unbearable. All right, let's get to some other things I want to get to because uh, the supply chain is a big deal today because this idiot was out there trying to tell us how he's going to take care of it. We all know he's not going to take care of it. He has no clue. He's got a supply chain uh, task force we've never heard of until you left. I've never heard of it until yesterday. I have no idea what they're doing. And if this is the plan, it's not a great plan. Pete Buttigieg, I believe, is transportation secretary, although I don't know what he's doing. I guess he does a couple Sunday shows every now and then. I, I mean, has he asked any serious questions? What is he doing? He's not in the, been in the press briefing room, has he, lately? Not that I can remember. These, these are just not serious people. Like, I, I, I'm sorry, they're just not. Like, Pete Buttigieg is going to come in the, the, um, the press briefing room and make us all feel better about uh, transportation and, uh, and all of this other stuff that's going on and all of the nightmare scenarios we have here. We're going to feel a lot of confidence talking to him. No, of course not. No, of course not, because they're not serious people. So that's the problem amongst many. All right, so let's go. Saki was asked a bunch of what we're talking about here. Let's hear uh, 30, G. Saki asked about the impacts of supply chain. Let's hear what kind of nonsense she's spewing here. Roll that. Um, Secretary Buttigieg is saying that there may be challenges oh, for last-minute shoppers. 
among them. Secretary Yellen says there could be isolated shortages of goods in the coming months. So can you give us a realistic breakdown of um, what Americans yeah. could be facing? Yeah, good luck. On these shortages come the holiday season? What, what are we talking about? Yes, For go shipment ahead, of goods, which I assume yes. is what you're asking yes. about. So uh, the reason uh, that the president has been working so hard for months, sure. uh, long before the last few weeks, to address supply chain issues is because he knows, uh, he knew uh, they were multifaceted um, and that they were impacting a lot of different industries. I know you're asking about shipments uh, and the shipment and movement of goods. And obviously the announcement today related to the ports uh, is a reflection of action taken by the president, by this administration, to uh, to to have an immediate impact. Uh, obviously, there's more that we will continue to press to be done uh, as we're looking to increase the shipment of goods moving more quickly. That's one of the uh, one of the bottlenecks hey, in the supply I, I chain. I got a better idea, Jen. How about you don't fire workers who work at distribution centers and factories and pressure them uh, to get vaccinated? That's something they don't want to do, and you end up firing them, and then you're surprised that there's shortages. How about that? I'm sure that wasn't asked as a follow-up. Go ahead. Will help address uh, those concerns people have. Um, look, we we I can't make a prediction for me for you that we're going to solve every issue tomorrow and next week. Yeah, we're not. About, we're coming out of an economic or ever, ever. I can't make you a promise we're going to solve every issue. How about solve one issue? How about solve one issue? More people have died under Biden of COVID than died under Trump. We, we're, he was going to put the thing down. More than going to shut down the country, but shut down the virus. Well, more pe- we have more deaths from COVID under Biden than we had under Trump. We never talk about it. No one ever talks about it. So he's done a lousy job there. Prices are through the roof. Supply chain's broken. Inflation is off the chart. And pro- they say 5.4. It's probably double that. Real numbers. Real life. So what, how about one issue can you save? Can you fix one issue? What issue have they fixed? He sits back there and just executive order after executive order after executive order after executive. This is not representative government. They fix no issues. Spending, 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 more government, more government, expansion of the welfare state, borders a disaster, Afghanistan's a disaster. Uh, one thing you fixed, I'd like to know. Just give me one and I'll talk about it and give you credit for it. Just one. I'll wait. All right, live, guys, sound angry. Live from Studio 6B on a Wednesday night. The great Emmy Horowitz plus some other video coming up. And crazy down. Supply Chain 101 with Professor. Let's go, Brandon. Yes, coming up. from studio 6b 30 minutes past the hour on a wednesday night glad you're in got crazy town coming up the great emmy horowitz's newest piece which is he had one similar to this on some other college campus i mean it just makes you i don't know did you watch this g the emmy horowitz thing okay because sometimes it needs editing with the language so okay good um hey uh, by the way most important thing we got to cover tonight how dare me forget this we've been on for almost an, uh, 45 minutes yeah, well, what's what's the update on Ma- on the Mad Max? I've been hacked, and my Twitter account has been erased. As she tweets, <laughs> I know who has done this. I will take care of them. You know what I'm saying? 
M signed to M Waters. <laughs> Just in case we didn't know the word, you know, right above that where her name is, she signed it for us, which I think is beautiful and brilliant. Any update, uh, G, on this? Uh, do we know who the culprit is yet? Did you do it? So, uh, well, me and Fran tried calling her office, and we actually got a voicemail that says her phone system is down. But, uh, you know, don't worry. She knows... <laughs> She knows who it is, and she's on it. <laughs> you got like a you got like a recording on the system. Yeah, we got a that. voicemail that pretty much says, you know, someone deleted her phone number. <laughs> oh God! I I mean, every word of that tweet is just and unless she's pulling like a Chris Rocker. I mean, that is just pure gold comedy right there. I have been hacked and my Twitter account has been erased. As she's tweeting on Twitter, I know who has done this. I will take care of this. M. Waters. I think she tells us right there. She's telling that M. Waters did this. So we better look out for M. Waters. Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe she meant, Je- maybe it was Jesse Waters. Maybe she, <laughs> I don't know. Just, I don't know. All right, so one other thing I want to get to because of the inflation numbers out this morning, and we keep hearing, and I've ke- I keep telling you, as a matter of fact, I saw something this morning. What was it? Because I retweeted. It said, who could have seen this coming? Uh, Congressman Tenney, new this morning, inflation continues to rise. It was up 5.4% last month over September 2020. The spike in annual inflation matches 13-year high. Right, that wasn't the one, but that was another one I retweeted. But someone talked about this word, you know, everybody talking about it being transitory, transitory. And I've been telling you for a long time, I didn't think that was the case. So Saki was asked about the messaging and the use of the word transitory. Roll that. See how much of this I can stomach. Is there any concern in the White House that the embrace of the Fed's use of transitory at best makes your job more complicated month over month to explain what's going on with inflation? At worst, could be misleading for folks who don't necessarily get the transitory maybe in a year or longer? Yeah. Well, the way we view it is that it's important to um, preserve the independence of the Federal Reserve, and that can give the American people uh, and the markets confidence in what their projections and their projections are. And that's uh, long been um, long been uh, how these issues have been approached throughout history. Um, and we think that's important to continue that trend. Uh, transitory, I, I guess I, I don't have an assessment of how many people know exactly what that means or what that means to them. We know that what the Federal Reserve and Wall Street economists and others are projecting is that the rate of inflation will come down next year. What that means is that as people have seen these increase in goods, an increase in some cost of goods over the course of the last year or so, as the economy is turning back on, and as I would note, we were turning from a period of time where the unemployment rate was high, people didn't have a lot of excess money and wages to spend on goods, so naturally the demand has come up over the course of the last year, that that is the projection is it's coming down. So I wouldn't say it's complicated as for it for us. We look at things over the long term and we know that if the american people uh businesses the markets can rely on um the independence of the federal reserve that's good for the economy and good for our the integrity of that i, I think to put a final point on it, i just mean that you know you, everyone was saying transitory in february and march i yeah. understand the nuance and the economics of what's yes going i know here, you do but, but, but when the deceleration is happening slower perhaps you're from cnn of course a few do. months ago yeah. and Brilliant. people are still paying 10 or 15 or 20 percent more for me and they're saying, why was it supposed to be transitory three months ago, four months ago? 
ago. Well, just take here. meat out. Isn't that, that what the guy told us? Difficult to explain. Take meat, poultry, and fish is. out. Well, it requires us explaining and Prices through working with all of you as well that um, the cost of meat is also related to competition and the uh, the, the small number of large uh, meat producers who have a dominance over the market. Okay, and, stop it for a second. Uh, the fact uh, Congressman Thomas Massey has had a bill on the floor about that exact issue. He came on this show and talked about it, and I believe it's still on the floor. But now that it fits their narrative, maybe she should talk to Congressman Massey about his bill having to deal with just exactly that issue. Go ahead that a lot of these issues are uh, not as simple as a one-sentence explanation, uh, and that different industries have different issues in the supply chains, different issues that are causing some increases in prices, and also because we all understand the American people are not looking at cost-to-cost -cost comparisons from this year to two years ago. They're looking at cost-to-cost -cost comparisons to their checkbooks from eight months ago or 12 months ago. And even though factually, if you look back to two years ago, uh, things may be comparative. It's just brutal. You notice there's just no, it's, it's always something else's fault. It's this fault. It's that fault. It's never their fault. It's just, you know, again, this is why I say, maybe naively, I think people see through this nonsense. I, I just don't think people can even stomach listening to her. I don't know how much more I can stomach listening to her. I mean, she's the damn press secretary. So, I mean, she's supposed to be out there talking and representing what the president, so, you know. But going back to my, what I said at the, End of the last segment. What have they solved? What have they solved? What, have they, what can have they kicked down the road since they took over and made something better? They've made everything worse. And they've made everything worse, by the way, whether they admitted it or not, they've made everything worse for everybody. They've made everything worse for everybody, even if the everybody's won't admit it, some of them because they're too loyal to the party and to the, to the ideology, which comes first to a lot of them before even their own self, well-being. They've made everything worse for everybody, plain and simple. So this, and, and here's the real issue with all of this, and then we'll move on, is that it's unfortunately, it's just starting. We're just starting. It's going to get worse. Prices are going to go up. Supply chain is going to continue to be broken. Shelves are going to continue to be empty. Things are going to be harder and harder to get. This is going to be a holiday season like we we've probably have not experienced. As if our kids need more of a non-normal life. Eight months into the school year, they've never seen their teacher smile at them if they're in kindergarten. And now they're going to go through um, a holiday season where they're, I mean, just... They've made everything worse for everybody, period. And if they're in high school, they've never seen their teacher scowl at them. Yeah. And what do they want? What's the answer to all of this? More government. No, no, no. More government. No, not, not, not more. Not let you leave your own life. Get the hell out of our way. Not more push for the individual. Not more push for liberty. Not more push for lesser taxes, incentivizing work, incentivizing upward mobility free markets, everything that's made our economic system great. They hate our economic system. They want to ruin, they want to fundamentally transform it, you know, like everything else. Three more, three and a, I mean, I, I just don't, I don't know. I don't know.
They've made everything worse for everybody, and it's going to get worse. We can only hope, these small glimmers of hope. By the way, another one I'll give you, because I want to give you as many glimmers of hope as I can find. Federal judge blocks vaccine mandate at United Airlines today. Now, I gave you the one in New York yesterday for healthcare workers, a federal judge. Here's another one, quickly, and then we'll get to Amy Horowitz. Federal judge has just put a temporary restraining order on the enforcement of vaccine mandates at United Airlines. Pending arguments in the case, U.S. District Judge Mark Pittman from Texas ordered a temporary restraining order on United Airlines preventing the company from enforcing its vaccine mandate to hear the relevant arguments of the employees and the airline. So that'll be very, very interesting to see what the arguments that are made in front of this judge and see what happens there. So that may be a glimmer of hope. You saw what happened in New York with healthcare workers. That's a glimmer of hope. You see the uprising of parents and people around this country who are saying that enough. You see Biden's in the toilet and every ratings, even among some Democrats starting to go, I don't know what the hell's going on here. This guy's a disaster. Um, All right, so let's get to, um, which one should we do first, G? You want to do a little crazy town here and lighten it up here? You want to do Amy Horowitz? Well, Amy Horowitz is probably, all right, let's do Amy Horowitz first. Uh, he went to UC Berkeley. Well, I'm not even going to set it up. Let's just watch it. Roll it. We're raising money for the Taliban. <laughs> raising money for the Taliban here. Get your Taliban here. I'm Ami Horowitz, and I'm here at the University of California at Berkeley. There is no way I could raise money for the Taliban, right? I'm trying to raise money for the Taliban. We're trying to raise money for the Taliban. Tax deductible? I mean, if you were in Afghanistan, so that's probably less helpful to you guys. We're Taliban 2.0. Um, we're kinder, gentler. I mean, not really, but okay. You know, it's our, it's the way, it's the way we roll. We're trying to raise money for the Taliban. We want to be able to train our fighters to fight back its American interests. There's a lot of weapons that were left there. We need money to train them how to use it against American forces. Uh, train them how to use weapons again. All the weapons that the U.S. left. We want to train our our fighters to strike back against American interests around the world and in the homeland. Before America got there. We used it as a base to strike against America. We want to do that again. Oh, interesting. We got to fight back. I know. You know, and America's destroying the world, and we want to we want to secure it for a strike against against the against the American homeland. I understand. So we want to be able to create a bulwark against America in Afghanistan, to to fund and help its enemies around the world strike back against American interests, both abroad and in the homeland. Okay, that sounds great. I don't know if you know about much about American imperialism. Oh, yes, yeah. So you know how, how damaging the U.S. is. Definitely. And, uh, I appreciate what, what you're doing here. Create a safe haven for America's enemies as a safe haven for people who want to strike against American interests around the world. We want to strike the U.S., yep. both abroad and the homeland, to teach them a lesson. Life means nothing to them. Yeah. And America needs to be brought to heal. Very and true. What you're talking about is really important, and I agree with you fully. And it's time to, to make them feel the pain. You know what I'm saying? I would work for you. That is really generous. Uh, they need to finally pay the price, and we want we want to exact that toll. Basically, we want to create a safe space for enemies of the United States. You know what I'm saying? 9/11 was a lesson, but this is an easy, a, they didn't learn their lesson from 9/11. We want to do that again, like we did it in 2001. Five dollars. Five? Okay, that would be great. Five? Yeah. Five. Is, that would if you could do that, it'd be great. Sure, I'll do this. Yeah, five. Like 10? I don't know, maybe $10? $10? $15? Maybe like $15? $50? $50? Bucks. 50 bucks? Oh, dude. Come over here, buddy. Come over here, my brother. Do you know how many people we can train? We can, how, many, how, many, how many Taliban fighters we can train on that? Donation-wise? Yeah, if you could. You know, 
fifty dollars. You know, just don't have a student. Right? That is so, that is really generous. Uh, that's a lot of beer money. No, I mean I'm not worried about that. It's more of just you know what I can give. Obviously, uh, you're dude. You're a prince. <laughs> you're, you're a prince, man. Thank you. But, Bless you, man. Take care, buddy. Make the Taliban great again. Thanks, guys. Right, I appreciate it. You too. <laughs> I mean, I, I I don't chuckle. I just I I don't know. Send your kids to college. That's what they come home uh, supporting. You know, he does a great job. I mean, it's, it's amazing that he can go on and, and sell it as, as really that's what he's there to do. And, and no, I mean, and he, and he actually gets them through the whole speech and actually gets them to commit to, to, to money. Just shows you how just, I mean clueless out of touch just i mean that is that is just absolutely scary is going to have a supply chain problem something that you at least i thought could count on getting for uh, the holiday season that's 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 our let's go brandon t-shirts and sweatshirts and everything else oh my god i can't i can't make them fast enough cannot make them fast enough on that slick design by the way i've seen some other people with these shirts that they just don't even try it's just boring what white i mean just boring uh, that's a good-looking shirt. All that's is just good-looking stuff. I mean, uh, we, can't, we can't make them fast enough. They're flying. So hopefully we don't get too far behind and they can get them out here. And, like, you know, I think it's, I think it's only about five to seven days to get it. I hope we can keep on that, um, on that track because, I mean, they're just flying, flying. The quickest number went to number one in, 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 in a tw- 48 hours. The number one selling shirt. So we thank you for that. 6bshirts.com if you want to pick one up. They got great colors and it's a great design with the E of the Let's being the uh, Biden, the E in the Biden-Harris logo. And then, of course, you have the 6B in Go Brandon as the uh, the 6 instead of the G. looks just like the G uh, in the B in Brandon. So it's just a great shirt. So you can get it at 6bshirts.com. Make sure you visit our friend Mike Lindell at MyPillow. It's the holiday season's coming up. Uh, they got the great stuff, pillows, sheets. Now they have slippers, my wife pointed out to me. She's like, you got to get these slippers. I haven't gotten them yet, but I'm going to have to put an order in. Use our code LFS6B for up to 66% off our friend Mike Lindell. MyPillow.com, great stuff. Our code works on almost everything on the site. A couple things it doesn't work on or they, they change it. Uh, if they're running their own sale, but up to 66% off most items, LFS6B is the code to use at checkout. So, all right, let's do Crazy Town G, Supply Chain 101. We all have to learn from the master himself. Of course, he couldn't say supply chain. I don't know how he's going to be able to fix it, but uh, that would be the president today. Roll it. You're hearing a lot about something called supply chains and how hard it is to uh, get a range of things from a toaster to sneakers to bicycles to bedroom furniture. And uh, that's why back in February, 
I signed a piece of legislation on supply chain, an executive order on supply chains, and what well, we had to move on it. Supply chains essentially mean how we make things and how the material and parts get delivered to factory, a factory, so we can manufacture things. I'm joined by the executive director of the ports of Los Angeles and Long Beach, Gene Soroka and, uh, and Mario, Mario Cordono. Uh, I'm mis I apologize, Mario. Um, Los Angeles and Long Beach are home to two of the largest point ports in America. I want to thank my supply chain disruption task force, which we set up in June. This is not called a supply chain for nothing. <laughs> They're not saying the world anymore. Has changed. Prior to the crisis, we cheered, and, you know, the oh. focus on lean, efficient supply chains, <laughs> leaving no buffer or margin for error when it comes to certain parts arriving just in time is needed to make a final product. Our administration, Barack and ours, we that's where it was just in time was the focus. I might add, parenthetically, one of the reasons why I think it's very important that we get the, the uh, infrastructure plan passed, my infrastructure plan. Genius. I mean, today's one of those days I go back to what I said about three, four, five days ago. There's just days that he just looks, uh, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. Since none of our resident tinfoil hat wearers are here, I have to ask the question. When he said ours and Obama's administration, yeah. what does that I heard mean? It. I heard it. It's that's when you say the quiet part out loud. That's the old, uh, if I had a third term and I could just put somebody in there to just... Yeah, that's the quiet part out loud. There's no doubt. There's no doubt about that. There's no doubt. Look at this guy. He is struggling to even get words out of his mouth on the teleprompter. I can't imagine the size of the screen they have to use at this point. I mean, he cannot talk. I was going to say, that's probably where they moved to that TV studio across the street because they need a projection screen. Yeah. I mean, he, he, I mean, he couldn't even say the poor guy's name. The guy was there. I don't know what it, I don't know who it was. Some guy, the guy who worked at the port, but I mean, I heard the Obama part in there. He should just start doing all his speeches at drive-in theaters, and they could just put the prompter up on the big screen. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know. I don't. I don't even. I mean, I, I can't, I've said this a thousand times. I don't even know if it's funny. I mean, it's funny for us because we do this segment, but. I just don't even know that it's funny anymore. He just looks awful. I mean, just shut it down. It's just, it's, it's, isn't it time to just shut it down? I mean, where, where is somebody? I mean, where is his wife? I mean, they, do you think they talk at night and, and she says to him, Joe, you know. She's like, writing all his speeches in between grading papers. I like to have you around until whenever. Like, this is putting too much pressure on you. This position, you can't do it. I mean, do you think they ever talk? I mean. I mean, someone's just shut it down to give it, give it to the other, give it to the bigger disaster. Let's hire some actors and actresses and let's just, let's just make it, you know, let's just turn it into Oklahoma or something. Richard, you know, Rogers and Hammerstein deal. Hire some actors and actresses to follow her around. And it'll be like my fair lady or whatever. I mean, this is just ridiculous. 
I mean, he cannot talk. And some of those, I mean, I don't want to play it again, but some of, some of those times where he's, re- you could see his eyes trying to focus on the, on the thing, and he's just, it just doesn't work fast enough to get to here, and he's, it just looks heavy in the face. At least he took questions today. Oh, wait. By the way, what's with the cough? Is it time to acknowledge this cough's been around for weeks that he has? It's been longer than that. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's just what? It's just, he, he's the only person who can have this lingering, lingering cough. And we, none of us should, I mean, he's the most powerful person in the world. He's the leader of the free world. He has to make split-second decisions. God forbid. Our enemies are looking at, I mean, I, I just can't imagine what China and, and he's got this cough. I mean, is there something wrong with this guy? You'll never find out, though, from, you know, if this, again, think about the Trump administration, how many leakers and liars and everything else you had or what was going on. You think somebody from inside would. All right, roll it. Let me see it. Um, and another thing we keep asking about, the president's physical. Last month, you said it would be soon. We're now in October. Do you have any update? And why is it taking so long? Is the president just very busy? Does he, you know, not? He is very busy, uh, but, it, but it is standard for every president to get a physical. He will get a physical, too. When, when he gets a physical, we will make all of that information available to all of you. There's no way they'll do that. There's no way he'll, he will straight up get a physical and we'll get the results. There's no way. We, we don't need him to get a... We see it with our own eyes, by the way. Unlike President Trump, who every doctor in the country who never saw him was able to tell us everything about him. He's this, he's that, uh, he's a psycho, he's a this, he's a that. Dr. Bandy Lee, remember her? She was the si- shiny new object one, uh, one month. She analyzed him from afar, never met him. All the doctors, we, all the takes we got on the president's health, the last president. Now, here's this guy who can barely speak, barely walk, looks like he's drugged up all the time, clearly has onset, if not full-blown dementia. They're, whatever they're doing to keep him sounding or, uh, reasonably alive and making so, some semblance, the smallest semblance of sense, he can't get, I mean, and, and there's nothing. We can't find anything out. We don't know when he'll get a physical. There's no way whatever they tell us from it's going to be the truth. There's no way. And yet, and yet the, the charade goes on every day. The charade goes on while they try to ruin the country. All right, as always, we salute our military, active and active police, firefighters, first responders, EMTs, everybody on the front lines. Thanks, G. Thanks, Fran. Thanks to Real America's Voice. Great job on that special tonight with John Fredericks, Harry Oates, and the crew, Ben Burkwam, Amanda Head. We'll see you tomorrow night. John Solomon's got a special tomorrow night. Don't miss it.